You better you bet on a Tuesday. PJ Glasser, Ryan Horvat in the BetQL studios in Washington, D.C. Ken Barkley, Nick Costos with the day off. Hope everybody enjoyed uh, Championship Monday last night in college football. I know Ryan Horvat. Yeah, it was a beautiful night. Uh, you know, if you had Michigan futures, which uh, we had before the season, 8-1, to one, it was a good night. And uh, it was never really a sweat. Although, I will say, uh, the fourth quarter did get a little interesting there uh, late. Yeah. Late in that game. It, it I did. got a little worried there. But, um, yeah, Michigan gets the job done. I think that's probably the last we see of Jim Harbaugh at Michigan. Um, and it's already been a crazy day, man, with the Mike Vrabel news that we're going to talk about here yep. shortly. But last night, um, what a way to cap off the season. And I know a lot of people out there wanted a better matchup, wanted a better game. I'm fine with it, man, because um, the number just never really made sense. Because if you go back to the Pac-12 championship game, and you look at the way that we were pricing Washington in that game, what did they close as? Nine and a half point dogs to Oregon? Mm -hmm. So that would mean that Oregon would be a five point, four and a half to five point favorite over Michigan on a neutral field. Who would have bet the Ducks last night at that price? Nobody. So I like the number, and I really like the matchup. Obviously, like Washington defensively, not really good against the run. You had Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards out of nowhere on, what, five carries went off last night. And, uh, yeah, it was a nice night. We still have no idea how, how good J.J. McCarthy is. Nope. Uh, a projected first-round pick. Yeah, Man, they didn't really need it. They just run the ball and play defense. That's been their MO all season. Ryan and I were going to talk about the championship game in a little bit. Also look at some futures for next season. Those are already out of uh, and some Heisman odds as well. Kevin Sweeney's going to join us later on in the show. Hour number two, we're going to talk some college hoops with Kevin Sweeney, who covers uh, college basketball for Sports Illustrated. Rick Camp will join us as well. We'll talk some NBA with Rick. You guys can watch us on twitch.tv slash BeckQL. We're also on YouTube over on Odyssey Sports. And uh, you can find us on Sirius Channel 160 and Sirius XM 205. So, Ryan, you were talking about it. Championship game last night, Michigan and Washington. I think you're right. I mean, especially in the first quarter, Donovan Edwards, two carries and two easy touchdowns, right? You're thinking Michigan's going to roll all over them. And then Washington's defense really hunkered down, and they kept Michigan in check. And it felt like there was going to be a time in that game where Washington maybe made it interesting. Yeah. And the entire game was that big play to Adunze, and then the holding call brought it back. For, for Washington, because that was the big play they needed. That maybe would have been the touchdown that could have tied the game. And uh, instead, that, that holding brings it back, and, and Michigan never looked that back after that point. Were you surprised, though, with how that game started and then how Washington's defense was able to keep Michigan in check? See, I really wasn't, man, because Washington really was disres disrespected all season long, right? Okay, so they were outside the top 100 defending the run and the defense. Not great, your typical Pac-12 team, but they were tough. I mean, how many times did we count them out this season? Everybody liked Oregon in the Pac-12 championship game. They had their struggles this year, man, but Kalen DeBoer is just such a good coach, which made last night so interesting with the Harbaugh stuff and Harbaugh possibly leaving, and then you have Kalen DeBoer, and his dream job is actually the Michigan job. Um, but So it didn't really surprise me that they made a comeback. You know, I thought that there was a shot that Washington could win that game, and I know there's a lot of disrespect being thrown their way today because it was a blowout and people wanted a better matchup, a better game. But, I mean, you know, all season long, they were an unbeaten team. I just thought Michigan was a bad matchup. Like, going into the playoff, I really liked Michigan against Alabama. The thing that concerned me was you're going against Nick Saban. The reason that I liked Washington so much against Texas, Texas was a really good team. Yes. You know, I, it's easy to make fun of them and say, oh, we're back and whatnot, but, I mean, you look at them defensively this season, they were top 15, but the one area you could attack them was their secondary. And you had Michael Penix and all those NFL wide receivers, so I just thought that that was a terrible matchup. But they beat a really good Texas team. And 
I think that there was like almost some unfair expectations going into last night's game for people that were watching Washington for the first time. You know, you had people comparing Michael Penix to Mike Vick. That's just not the type of quarterback that he is. You know, Mike Michael Penix in college football years is like 40 years old. He's 24 years old. Yeah. He's had two knee surgeries, has a great arm, and he's great when you keep him clean in the pocket. And uh, that was another thing that made last night's matchup so interesting. You had Michigan's defense, their top-ranked pass defense, but... They were going against the Joe Moore award winner. Like, Washington had a really good offensive line, and Michael Penix is at his best when he's kept clean. When he has to go outside the pocket, that's when he struggles a little bit. But, um, yeah, nothing really surprised me last night. But I am glad that we got that one home. Yeah, I agree. I thought it was going to be an easy winner. Maybe not Georgia TCU easy from last year. I don't think we'll ever get that easy no, again. I don't think we will ever get that easy again. Yeah. But uh, the way Washington's defense was able to hold Michigan down, and then offensively, Penix was just off, right, against yeah. Texas. Like, he, he was so on point, and he was hurting Texas whenever there was an opening. Last night against Michigan, he, he just missed some opportunities. And you saw, Ryan, like, over the course of a game, Michigan just, like, getting hit after hit on Penix. There were some times where he would throw the ball, and then he just, like, duck out of the way, kind of, yeah. you know, and he yeah. just, like, threw it over across the field. So he's fortunate that he didn't have more interceptions. But Michigan, I mean, they were dominant offensive line, defensive line, the way that they wear you down with their running backs. Like you said, I mean, McCarthy, like, I, I don't really think he's as good. Jim Harbaugh saying he's the greatest quarterback in, like, the history of Michigan. That's, I don't know if I He might be the far. greatest hype man in Michigan yeah. history. Jim he Harbaugh, that is. Yeah. But, uh, but no, they were, uh, they were the best team. I thought Alabama was the best team in the college football playoff. And then after about the first quarter against Michigan, I was like, no, Michigan's the better team. That's that's the best team. I thought whoever won Michigan-Bama was going to win the title game. And then uh, when Michigan beat them, and I, I liked them against Washington, they got the job done. So heading into next year, Georgia is the favorite. They are plus 350 to win their third title in four years. Bama right behind them at plus 550. And you have Ohio State at plus 800. Michigan at plus 900. Texas at plus 900. And Oregon at 10 to 1. So obviously what jumps out about this is that of those six teams, three are in the Big 10, three yeah. are in the SEC, right? Georgia, do you agree with Georgia being like the favorites over Bama? Do you think it should be a little closer? Like should they be co-favorites? So I do agree with Georgia being the favorites just because like you look at the situation this season and if Brock Bowers doesn't get injured, I think they're the best team in the country. Like last night for example on a neutral field, they're two and a half point favorites over Michigan even though they're left out of the dance. And you lose guys like you lose Brock Bowers, you're going to lose McCann who was also awesome the last couple seasons, their stud wide receiver. But look what they bring in. And I actually like Carson Beck, man. He could push the ball down the field. Yeah, uh, He'll be back most likely. And you get Trevor, uh, Trevor Etienne from Florida. in the portal. Yeah, yeah you get uh, London Humphreys uh, at the wide receiver position. And I love Kirby. I, I think he's the best coach in all of college football right now. So I agree with that. We know what they're going to be defensively. And um, yeah, they're not going anywhere in the SEC. That schedule, though, next year for that, Georgia, I mean, man. They play Clemson in the non-conference at Bama. They're at Texas, Tennessee at home. So, obviously, because now it's a 12-team playoff, they probably can afford a couple losses, but that schedule is going to be brutal. I agree, though, that they should be the favorite. Ryan, something I'm just excited about looking at next season is how many returning quarterbacks we're going to get on some of these top teams, right? You mentioned Beck's back at Georgia. Jalen Milrow is back at Alabama. He would be my pick as of today to win the Heisman Trophy. Just how he progressed towards the end of the season. Bama has just about everybody coming back on offense. Tommy Reese is going to be in his second year as offense, uh, offensive coordinator. They have this freshman coming in, Ryan Williams. And uh, people in, in the circles of Alabama football are saying, like, he has the chance to maybe be the best wide receiver in, in Bama. So 
he's supposed to be a stud at freshman. And then Milrow, what he can give you, you know, with, with his legs as well and all the rushing stats. And obviously the schedule that they're going to play is going to be difficult. So Milrow, I can't wait to watch him. Quinn Ewers is obviously going to be back. What do you think about Dylan Gabriel at Oregon? Like, isn't that a great fit? We bought him this year. We did. We looked good for about eight weeks. We did. And then he had to step up in class against a real defense. I mean... Yeah, so Oregon, that's the team I kind of want to buy in on. Um, You know, it's going to be interesting to see what they look like, obviously, in the Big Ten, but I'm a big Dan Lanning fan. We know what that offense is going to look like. We know that they're going to be able to run the ball, and I really like their offensive line the last couple of years. So uh, before him, though, the guy that I would look at, uh, I would go Cam Rising. Mm. Cam Rising, I think he could have came back this season, but he takes the medical redshirt year because next year Utah obviously makes the transition to the Big 12. And I'm going to, I mean, we were talking about this before the show. I'm going to be buying in on Utah like I usually do in the Pac-12 because I don't think there's going to be that much of an adjustment. They're already a tough physical team. That's why they dominated in the Pac-12. They have top 10 home field advantage, I would say, in the country. Nobody wants to go play there. And he's back most likely, you would figure. And then you're going to get Brent Keithy back as well, uh, their tight end, who's a stud. And both of those guys are back. You make the transition to the Big 12. They were 8-5 and five this year without those guys. Really well coached. I might look at uh, some Cam Rising futures and some Utah futures when it's time. I like that a lot. You know what's crazy about the Big 12 looking in the futures market? Utah is the team with the lowest odds at 80-1 to one to win the title game next year. I'm yeah. looking at a team like Kansas State, team like Arizona, both at 100-1. to one. You and I love Arizona. Most, Favorite team in the country right now. Most <laughs> underrated team in college football this season. They lost three games, two in overtime, one to Washington by seven points. They beat Oklahoma in their bowl game in the Alamo Bowl. They forced like six turnovers. They bring everybody back. Their quarterback, Noah Fafita, he's 20-1 to to win the Heisman Trophy. They got good receivers. They're so well coached. Like, they might be the best team in the Big 12 next year. And then Kansas State, man, I, for people that watch the bowl game against NC State, this quarterback that Chris Kleiman has, Avery Johnson, yeah. he is dynamic, man. He really is. And you know under K-State, they're going to run the ball. They're going to be well coached. They're going to be good on defense. It's just it's such an interesting conference next year, Ryan, because of Texas and Oklahoma leaving, and these Pac-12 teams that are coming in yeah. are going to be good. Utah, Arizona, Shadur Sanders is back for Colorado. We know Dion's recruiting. Yeah. So, to me, when you look at the futures market, if you're able to guess right on one of these Big 12 teams, because we know with the 12-team playoffs, somebody is guaranteed a playoff spot. Yeah, I think that's where the value is, man. One one of those three: Utah, K-State. Or Arizona's probably winning that league. Yeah, yeah. And I have Arizona, and then I have Utah circled, obviously. And, you know, I know it's only January 9th. We just wrapped up the season. But, like, if I'm looking at a team, like, as far as, like, way down the road that I think can make some noise in the Big 12, as crazy as it sounds, what about Central Florida? Just because you figure with NIL money and where they're recruiting, that pipeline in Florida, if you want to make $2 million, you go there, you don't have to pay taxes back on it. And, like, you know, the Big 12, you just got rid of Texas, Oklahoma. Yeah. But, I mean, it's going to be a crazy season. There's going to be a lot of change. What is Ohio State doing? I love what they're doing in the backfield. Yes. Like, they just keep adding more running Junkins backs. Juckins was great get. Yeah, Juckins, great get. But um, Will Howard, I feel like, you know, like, Will Howard coming in, it's pretty much the same thing that you had last year, in my opinion. I just I think Ohio State like the last couple of years and you think Justin Fields and CJ Stroud. I just yeah. don't know that Will Howard is a big upgrade over Kyle McCord who just transferred to Syracuse. I, I don't know, maybe he proves me wrong, but like you brought up Kansas State and the reason I'm going to like him next year is going to be Avery Johnson. No question. You know, um I just I don't know that Will Howard 
I don't know what that fit's going to look like. And I don't know that Ryan Day is the guy, to be honest with no. you. Maybe they should make a phone call to Mike Brable. I know. We're going to talk about that next segment. I like where you're going with that. What about Texas? You love them this past year. Ewers comes back. We know they're going to be great on offense. The front seven's good. But they're going to the SEC. Yeah. So what do you think of them? So they're going to the SEC. I see Ewers has, what, 8-1 to one Heisman odds, yeah. some of the best odds. And I just, I don't know. Um, because Washington in that game, they pretty much gifted that game to Texas. And, like, as much as I like Texas this season, they have all the talent in the world outside of, like, the secondary, which was a complete liability again this season. I don't know that I could trust Sark. I think he's a great play caller. But, like, let's go to that Washington game. You're averaging, like, eight, nine yards per pop on the ground, and yet we're dropping back Quinn Ewers 40-plus times in that game. Why didn't they just keep running the ball against that Washington front like Michigan did last night and then open things up later on in the game? I don't know that I fully trust Ewers. I, I just... And I don't know that Arch Manning's going to take over. It looks like Ewers is going to be back. I, I don't think he's going to the NFL draft. Maybe if he balls out in the college football playoff, but he absolutely did not. So that's my only issue. And that schedule. Like, they get Michigan September 7th. They get Oklahoma and Dallas, and then they get Georgia. That's in consecutive weeks in October. Oklahoma, Georgia, and Michigan. Welcome to the SEC. I mean, so I don't know that I could oh, do it with Texas. Goodness. But, I mean, they're going to have all the talent in the world, even yeah. though they do lose Mitchell. They lose Worthy. They lose uh, Jonathan Brooks. But... They bring in Matthew Golden. I like what they're doing, but I don't know, man. I don't know if I could do it again next season. Ryan, they every, let me down. Everybody's going to be looking at Bama, Georgia, Texas. I think there's value elsewhere, though, man. Like Tennessee, now that Nico's going to be starting, highest recruited player since Peyton Manning, that's just the Josh Heupel quarterback. Like, you watched him against Iowa. Yeah. The way he can run, he's got that big arm, man. And their schedule, Bama, Florida at home this year. Georgia's on the road, so it is manageable for Tennessee. I think there's a chance maybe they only lose like a couple games this season. They're at 50-1. to I would watch them. Missouri's going to be interesting. They bring Brady yeah. Cook back, right? But they do lose some pieces, but they had a great year. Everybody, the team that you keep hearing about in the SEC to watch out for is Ole Miss. And we just mentioned that Juckins went to Ohio State. Jackson Dark comes back. I think the reason people like Ole Miss, though, heading into this next season is because Lane's starting to recruit defense, right? He's bringing some dudes on defense. I just can't get there with Ole Miss. Like, there are certain quarterbacks that more people like than others. Like, that might be J.J. McCarthy for some people. That's Jackson Dart for me. Yeah, He does some good things, but I also think he's a little bit overrated. And I think Ole Miss, it's going to be the same story. They lost two games this season. It was Georgia and Bama. I think they're going to be the Penn State of the SEC. They're going to beat everybody else. Yeah. And then in the big games, I don't see them winning those yet. So, I can't get there with Ole Miss. For me, the long shot playing the SEC would be Tennessee. Yeah, I'm with you on Tennessee, man, because we already know what the hypo offense is, and they were they weren't able to run that with Joe Milton this season. And I'm like, I'm so done with Joe Milton forever. Yeah, uh, he's got a cannon for an arm, but he just can't make the throws. But they were able to run the ball. They averaged over 200 yards on the ground, and they had a pretty solid defense. So with you on Tennessee, I'm kind of out on Ole Miss just because I don't I like Lane, love Lane, um, but I don't trust him in the bigger games and like the schedule. The one thing I'll say though about the schedule this year, you get Oklahoma and Georgia, your two toughest games at home. But, I mean, are you going to bet Ole Miss? Are you going to bet Lane against Kirby? No. And I'm kind of with you on Jackson Dart. Love playing his props. I like him in certain matchups. Yes. I like, like, Jackson Dart against A&M. But, right. yeah, I don't uh, I can't do it with Ole Miss. It was, what, their first 11-win season in 118 years. So, I don't know that they're going to be able to do that back-to-back years. Yeah, I'm with you. All right, we're going to take a break. I'm going to throw a couple more teams at you on the other side. We're also going to get into the Mike Vrabel news. He was fired by Tennessee. We'll talk about maybe where he ends up and some other coach openings around the NFL. P.J. Glasser, Ryan Horvath, you better you bet. We'll be right back with You Better You Bet, presented by BetMGM. 
on the BetQL Network. Let's get back to You Better You Bet, presented by Bet MGM on the BetQL Network. And welcome back to You Better You Bet, presented by BetMGM. PJ Glasser and Ryan Horvat filling in for Nick Costos and Ken Barkley. We'll be uh, with you for the rest of today's show and then for tomorrow as well. We are on until 7 p.m. Eastern time. You can watch us on twitch.tv slash betql. We're also on YouTube over on Odyssey Sports. You can catch us on Sirius Channel 160 and Sirius XM 205 as well. So, Ryan, we're going to get to the uh, Mike Vrabel news here in a bit. Obviously fired by the Titans today. Want to just continue the college football conversation a little bit. I want to get your thoughts on some other teams, including Notre Dame for next season. You are a Notre Dame fan. They're 25-1 to to win the title next year. As you know, they bring back a lot of firepower. Riley Leonard's going to be the quarterback. And the schedule isn't as tough, it appears, as it's been in like previous years, right? They're at USC, they're at Texas A&M, they get Florida State at home. Other than that, though, I mean, they probably should win every game, and you would think if Notre Dame, if they only lose one game, they're certainly in the playoff. Two's probably good enough yeah. as well. What are your thoughts on Notre Dame? Yeah, everybody thinks like I should be happy about that. They're like, you know, even if you have two losses, you're going to be in the playoff because you're Notre Dame, and that doesn't really make me all that happy because I just... I mean, we see what happens when they step up in class in these college football playoff or national championship games. Like, I still have nightmares of Eddie Lacy just running all over Manti Teo. I'll never forget that night because I rented out, like, an entire, um, like, bar to watch that game. And I was, like, just I just met my wife, and her family was there, and her dad went to Notre Dame, and there was a bunch of people, and the game was over by half. So that was very <laughs> fun. I don't know. I uh, definitely think there'll be a college football playoff team. They could be, I should say. Like you said, the schedule's not as tough. Last year, that was the issue. It was just all those games back-to-back-to-back. That was a terrible schedule where you got Duke, uh, you got Clemson, even though they were down this year. I like Riley Leonard. I just, I don't know how good he is. Um, I know how good he was at Duke, obviously. Last year, the problem, you you pay all that money for Sam Hartman, um, but Tommy Reese kind of leaves last minute. Now they have a new OC. They bring in Denbrook from LSU, who I do think I like. I mean, obviously, yeah. like they were pretty solid this season. Last year, the issue with Notre Dame was the wide receiver room, though. Their, their best wide receiver was Chris Tyree, who was a converted running back. But uh, yeah, I like what they're doing this year. You get Chris Mitchell. Um, you get Collins from Clemson. So I think they're a 9-10 win team. I definitely probably uh, would stay away from the futures with them, though. What about Penn State? Also the same yeah. price, 25-1. to 1. Drew Aller's back. Their running backs are back. They got Fleming from Ohio State as a receiver who's supposed to be a stud. We know the defense is going to be good. Don't have to play Michigan next year. Ohio State is at home. So a favorable schedule for Penn State. We know with them, I mean, James Franklin and his struggle against good teams but are they worth a play at 25 to 1 because of the schedule and because of everything they have returned? So I like them this season, like coming into the year, and I like Drew Aller, and I think he is going to be good. They just couldn't push the ball down the field. I yeah. like Katron, uh, Katron Allen and Nicholas Singleton, but like they both kind of had down years compared to what I thought that they were going to have. They have to replace both of their tackles, I believe. They lose on the defensive side of the ball, Chop Robinson. I just, with Penn State, it's the same thing every year. I expect them to win 9 to 10 games. I just don't trust them to beat the teams that they shouldn't beat, like Ohio State and Michigan. Like, we call James Franklin this big choke artist. He's really not, though. Like, he wins all the games that Penn State should win. Right. He just doesn't beat Ohio State and Michigan. 
But the only time he was favored in either of those games, they actually got the job done. I mean, but uh, th- that might be the year. Like, next year might be the year. And if it's not, then I'm staying away forever. But yeah. we, we were both on Penn State this we season, were. the Big Ten Futures. And, uh, yeah, that, that's that's the only thing, though. Last uh, couple teams I'll throw out you. We talked about in the Big 12, somebody's got to win that conference. What about the ACC? Clemson and Florida State are both 20-1. to 1. I was all over Clemson this year. Clay, Cade Klubnick in that offense it just didn't turn out to be like I thought it would. Florida State's going to bring in DJU to yeah. run the quarterback uh, with Jordan Travis leaving. So what do you think? I mean, would you take a shot at Clemson or Florida State? It looks like the Dabo finally is starting to entertain the idea of getting guys in the portal. Who the hell punched Dabo in the face? Has anybody figured yeah. out where he got that black eye, by the, by the way? No, I, I wish it was me a couple times this season because yeah. we were pretty heavy on Clemson. And Clemson, so they were um, down this year. But also, they could have won all those games. I mean, week one against Duke, terrible field goal luck, terrible turnover luck in the red zone. Even the game against Florida State, right? Like, they have a one-score lead. They're about to go up two scores. They get in the red zone, and Cade Klubnick has that strip sack. He gets absolutely blasted. Florida State ties the game, and then it's over. Yep. So if I'm buying in on a team on the ACC, it would probably be Clemson. We know they're going to be tough defensively. Their issue last year, and actually the last couple of years, they don't have that Sammy Watkins, T. Higgins-type wide receiver that could create any separation. They have to entertain the idea of hitting the portal. They have to use the NIL. They're going to have to like bring in the right guys. Because the way that they're trying to do things right now isn't working. I, I don't know how good Cade Klubnick is because I don't really like his wide receivers. You know, last year, and they're going to lose uh, Will Shipley, obviously. Yep. But they had a strong run game. I know they'll be tough defensively, though. So I, I would buy in on them before Florida State. Agreed. You know, it's Mike Norvell in big games that I don't fully trust. And then DJU, do I really want to do it with him again? I, I don't think I do. No, I agree with I've you. I've had enough DJU. It kind of is funny that DJU's going back to the ACC. So right? we'll see. Uh, we'll see how that turns out. I agree with you, though. Penn State intrigues me. Notre Dame, I do like this year. I think Riley Leonard pickup was a really good one. And then Clemson, I would take over Florida State if you had to make me choose. All right, over to the NFL now, Ryan. So the big news of the day, Mike Vrabel fired by the Titans. And then there was some reporting from Diana Russini. The Titans believe trading Vrabel was too complicated and would take too long, per sources. They wanted to move on quickly. I was told... Vrabel never asked ownership for a trade or asked out of Tennessee again. That was coming from Diana Russini. So they uh, they didn't even try and trade him, Ryan. Like, Vrabel, would you put Vrabel in your top five as head coaches? Absolutely. I mean, you got Harbaugh, you got Tomlin, you got Andy Reid, Shanahan. I mean, I think Vrabel, McVay, you know, Belichick. I, I just... Vrabel's fantastic. Like, yeah. Tennessee has one of the worst rosters in the NFL. Right. He had the Titans as a number one seed with Ryan Tannehill as his quarterback, right? Yeah. I mean, it's unreal what the guy does. So, yeah. I uh, like, when you saw the news, 1 to 10, 10 being just like, you dropped everything you were doing, how surprised were you when the news came out? Like an 11. And I kind of figured it might be over in Tennessee, but I figured they would, like, mutually part ways. This is just insanity. Yeah, like, just especially, firing. Like, especially, like, if you're a big fan of uh, betting the Titans, like, as underdogs. I mean, like, as an underdog of four-plus points, he's 14-12 and 12 outright. That's a 54% clip. And that's not against the spread. That's outright. And, like, if you look at other coaches, I saw somebody had this stat, 224 and 652. Like, you win that game 25% of the time if you're a dog by more than four points. And, like, look at some of the playoff wins. They beat Lamar uh, the MVP season. He ended uh, Tom Brady's tenure in in New England. They won that game against the Patriots. They won games last year with Malik at quarterback. I just... uh, 
Yeah, it, it didn't really make a whole lot of sense compared to, I mean, considering what he had when he was in Tennessee. They paid Ryan Tannehill way too much money. The A.J. Brown trade made oh. absolutely no sense. Like, yep. if we did a man-on-the-street interview <laughs> right here in Washington, D.C., and just walked down the street and we were like, could you name three wide receivers for the Tennessee Titans the last decade? How many people would answer that? you get, like, Julio Jones, maybe. Right. And then A.J. Brown. And they traded him away for pretty much nothing. Um so, yeah, I was shocked. The first thing that popped in my head was, wow, Ohio State should make that phone call right now. I, I don't know that he would want to go to college. That was where I went first, too. You know, because, like, I just, I don't know that you would want that job. Because college football is so much different. You're working year-round with recruiting now and with NIL stuff. And, like, yep. you know what I mean? Like, whereas we're, the NFL, you get a real offseason. You get some time away. That's why Jim Harbaugh is probably going to leave Michigan and mm-hmm. go back to the NFL. You get some time away. Um so, yeah, I was shocked, though. I think Mike Vrabel's a really good coach, and I think he'll probably have his choice of where he wants to go next. And if I'm a betting man, which I am, I would figure it's probably going to be New England. I, I thought about Ohio State, too, especially because being an Ohio State guy, you just w- w- watch your arch rival right. and Jim Harbaugh at his alma mater win a national championship. I just, Vrabel doesn't strike me as a college football guy, though, right? But Ohio State absolutely would entertain the idea if if he was interested, especially because Ryan Day is on the hot seat. If he loses to Michigan again this year, he's absolutely done. Vrabel, it's just, it's unbelievable. The guy in his career with the Titans is an underdog of four or more points. He's 14 and 12 straight up. Yeah. Not against the spread, 14 and 12 straight up as an underdog or four or more points. He obviously just beat Jacksonville to end the season. The guy is a terrific coach. And like that's, that's what I'm saying. Like, like he wins those games. You know yes. what I mean? Like, doesn't just cover the number. Like, he goes in, he goes on the road and wins these games. What's the knock on Mike Vrabel, if anything? Maybe he's, like, too conservative. But look at, he's never had an all-pro quarterback. I mean, they had Ryan Tannehill. They had the one seed that year. Yeah. Granted, it was kind of a down year in the AFC, the year that, uh, a couple years ago, when Cincinnati made the run to the Super Bowl. But they had the one seed and home field advantage. And, like, yeah, geez, it's he's crazy. Great as dog, well, yeah, man. when you look at the team, I mean, like you look at the roster, it didn't make any sense. Even bringing in D Hop this year didn't really make a whole lot of sense because last year, I thought they should have just blew, uh, blown the whole thing up. Like they were trying to trade Derrick Henry coming into the season. You didn't know how many games you were going to get from Ryan Tannehill anyway because he only played twelve last year and he had a an ankle injury the entire season. Yep. You draft Will Levis. Malik's clearly not an NFL quarterback, and even the defense. I mean. Who's going to get the most out of that defense other than Mike Vrabel? You know, he got the most out of that team, and uh, that's why I was shocked to see that happen today. Man. Craziness. No, I'm with you, though. I think, I mean, when I first saw the news, it was New England, right? I mean, we know Belichick is, It's. we'll see whether or not he comes back. Vrabel obviously played for the Pats. He won Super Bowls. I think that would be a guy towards the top on Robert Kraft's list. Um, I got to tell you, though, some other teams that uh, – interest me maybe for like Mike Vrabel's landing spot if I'm the Philadelphia Eagles especially if they lose to the Bucks, I think Sirianni's coaching for his job on Monday night I really do I know really? that's, I think that's crazy to think because he was in the Super Bowl last year Ryan I think he's one of the most overrated coaches in the NFL I really do I think he is a product of how good of a GM Howie Roseman is and how great of a roster that they have but you know, when when things are good and your team's healthy and they're playing great, sure, that's all fine. But, like, right now is when you show your true colors as a coach and the Eagles just look worn down and beat. Yeah. And they, sh- they the players just look miserable and, like, there's no leadership or accountability whatsoever. Like, if you're the Eagles right now and Mike Vrabel's on the market, even if you beat Tampa Bay, 
right? Yeah. Because the Eagles are always forward-thinking. Like, they fired Doug Peterson three years after winning a Super Bowl, right? They let Andy Reid go. Like, they just can sense when it's time to kind of move on from a guy. I think they're kind of sensing that a little bit. With Mike Vrabel on the market, I think Philadelphia would interest me a lot. Well, like, going back to Sirianni really quick, maybe because I think we maybe overrated how good Shane Steichen is. Right? Like, on the defensive side of the ball, the Eagles, I mean, they just had issues this season in the middle of the field. Like, I don't really love their linebackers. They didn't really replace Gardner Johnson, so you could get them in the slot. Um, Still pretty good against the run, and I like what they did in the draft. So I think they'll be fine on that side of the ball once they figure some stuff out and get a little bit healthier maybe next year. But offensively, the offense has just been so much different this year without Steichen. So maybe maybe you're right on Sirianni. Like, last year, everything was up-tempo. Like, everything was quick. Now they walk to the line of scrimmage. Like, if you watch these games, they're snapping the ball with, like, two seconds, one second left on the play clock. They've had some injuries. Like, Jalen's been ding this season. Yep. He was sick for a while or whatever. Now they lost A.J. Brown. But, um, and it's Philadelphia, so obviously you have high expectations. And how much longer do you have all these guys for? And I'd say Jalen's taking a step back this year. Yeah, I mean, the numbers tell you that. But he's also, like, right now he's his finger's hanging off of his hand and whatnot. He has. But... I, I I don't know though. I, I still think it's I think it's New England, man. And that's why I wonder almost like if there was like an under the table thing. Right. You know, like Vrabel was like, I'm not coming back to coach this team. You guys could look like the alpha males and fire me if you want. Mm. I don't think that's really what went down right there. But I think that they knew he didn't want to be there anymore. I, I mean, why would Vrabel want to go back and coach that team? What's that team even gonna look like next year? Now Derrick Henry's gone. Ryan Tannehill's not the guy anymore. Like, are you sold on uh, Will Levis? No. I'm not. Well, especially with the trajectory of the division, right? Like, Stroud is ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, Anthony Richardson looks good. The yeah. Colts almost made the playoffs. Obviously, Jacksonville was favored to win the division. So the Titans are clearly, like, the team that just is no direction right now. I, I think if I'm Mike Vrabel right now, I'm like, thank you for getting rid of me. Like, now I can right. kind of just choose... So right now, the openings outside of New England are Carolina, Atlanta, Washington, the Chargers, and Vegas. Of those teams, like, is there one that interests you with Mike Vrabel? Chargers. 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 If you want to go the defensive route again, right? Because maybe they go, is Kellen Moore going to be back calling the plays? I didn't hate Kellen Moore this year as the play caller. The problem with Los Angeles the last couple of years has been defense, and that's why you made the Brandon Staley hire. He was the defensive coordinator. You bring him in. And the defense has somehow regressed every year since Anthony Lynn. And they spent so much money. You have Joey Bosa. You have Khalil Mack. I know he's another year older. But, yeah. I mean, they made the move for J.C. Jackson. He was a complete bust, and they had to cut him. And now he's back in New England. So I wouldn't hate Vrabel with the Chargers. I wouldn't hate Harbaugh with the Chargers. I think that's the best job just because you have Justin Herbert. If you believe Justin Herbert's a top-five quarterback. Other problem, though, is Quentin Johnston looks to be a bust, unless you think he can make a year-two leap. And you owe a bunch of money to Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, two guys that can't stay healthy. You're probably going to have to cut one of those guys. And Joey Bosa, too. But still, you get Justin Herbert. So I'll say that's probably the best job. Yeah, I would say so. I mean, look, Washington has kind of become a little bit attractive now that Snyder's gone. All that money that you get to spend in the offseason, you get the number two pick, right? That's what's huge right there. 100%. Um, Atlanta, I mean... Look, we know Mike Vrabel likes him a good running back, right? He certainly has a good one in Bijan Robinson. Maybe he can finally get something out of Kyle Pitts. Drake London's really good. Their defense was much improved. And that division is extremely winnable. If you're a team like the Bears and the Saints who've come out and said, you know what, we're going to stick with Eberflus. We're going to stick with Dennis Allen. With this news today, all of a sudden, are you thinking to yourself, you know what? 
what? Maybe we'll we'll rethink this with Mike Vrabel. We got about fifteen seconds. Yeah, really quick on that. If I'm the Bears or if I'm the Commanders and I have like the number one, the number two pick, and I'm looking at Caleb Williams, Drake May, I almost want like a Ben Johnson. I think I want an yeah. offensive minded dude. Like Shane Steichen was going to be with Anthony Richardson. I Ma- feel like you know what I mean. Whereas with Vrabel. I'd rather see him with the Chargers. Yeah, makes a ton of sense. We'll talk some more about that. Look at the NBA as well. John Morant, Tyrese Halliburton, their injuries, what it means. You better you bet. P.J. Glasser, Ryan Horvath. We'll be right back with You Better You Bet, presented by BetMGM on the BetQL Network. Let's get back to You Better You Bet, presented by Bet MGM on the BetQL Network. You Better You Bet, presented by Bet MGM. PJ Glasser, Ryan Horvat, filling in for Nick Costos and Ken Barkley here on a Tuesday. Ryan and I also will be with you tomorrow. Nick and Ken return on Thursday. You can listen to us on Sirius Channel 160, Sirius XM 205 as well. We will be on twitch.tv slash betql and YouTube. Uh, If you search Odyssey Sports, you can find us there as well. We're with you until 7 o'clock Eastern time. We'll join you on Stadium at the top of next hour. So make sure you go to watchstadium.com. You can check us there as well. Ryan, we've talked some football so far. We've looked ahead to college football for next season. Talked about some teams we like in the futures market. Talked about the Mike Vrabel news today. Uh, We're getting ready to talk some NBA in a little bit, but I do want to keep talking about Vrabel for uh, just one more second more because I think you bring up some good points about like how the draft picks for some of these teams are going to dictate a lot. Do do you think Carolina is the worst job on the board just because of the owner, because of Tepper? You do have Bryce Young, and he did go number one for a reason. I mean, you know, there is something there potentially. We know Carolina needs a lot of work. They are awful. They got shut out in their final two games of the season. Yeah. But it's like, man, you can't overcome bad ownership. So is there a chance that they get like a proven winner in this league, or are they just going to have to take a shot on some guy who would be thrilled to be a head coach and just hope they strike gold? All right, really quick, before I even answer the question, so I have a take, and I've had this take really since the national title game, that Trevor Lawrence is overrated. Completely agree. You remember his rookie year with Urban Meyer. Like, everybody was ready to write him off. And then year two under Doug, especially the second half of the season, he looked like the best quarterback in the AFC. Jared Goff was the same way. Remember with Fisher? Yes. And then McVay comes in. Yeah, they had a terrible offensive line. And then, right, like McVay comes in, they get a run game. So I, I still think that there's some good with Bryce Young. Like, go back to the Green Bay game, and I know that's against Joe Barry in that defense, but he throws for over 300 yards. He looked pretty good. They don't have the best weapons. Like, Adam Thielen's your number one wide receiver. Right. So with the right play caller, like a Ben Johnson, I think I still think that he could be pretty damn good. And then you look at the rest of the division. Tampa won the division this year with Todd Bowles as their head coach and Baker Mayfield as their quarterback. I know. I bought in on Atlanta. I played over seven and a half wins. I played them plus 250 or whatever it was to make the playoffs, but because of their head coach, who's now been fired, um, and their refusal to give the ball to their best players for whatever reason, they weren't able to do so. So maybe they could be a team that's scary for the next couple of years. But I, I don't think Carolina's a bad job just because it's that division, it's the NFC, and you're getting a quarterback that's only a year in the league. So like he's not completely broken. There's some bad stuff. He's picked up some bad habits, but I think they're fixable. He's a little... He's small. That's the only issue with him. You know, you're going to have to rebuild that offensive line. That was supposed to be one of their strengths coming into the season. He was under pressure all year long. And you have a decent defense. I don't think it's a terrible job, but I'd much rather have the Chargers job. I'd much rather have the Bears job because you have the number one overall pick. You could get Caleb. You could get Drake May. I'd rather have the Commanders job 
Commanders, that might be the best job right now because you have the number two pick. And if Drake May does go number one, it's kind of like, um, you know, the year where it's like in the NBA kind of like we're the number one guy like Drake, um, Caleb Williams. I think he's going to be awesome. I don't understand like the Mahomes comps and stuff. I think you have to take him at number one, though. I think he's like the safe pick, but I think Drake may might end up being the better pro. So if you have the number two pick, like you, you don't have to think about it. You just take Drake may. So I, I almost think that that might be a better job too. So I don't think Carolina is like the, the worst job ever, but I would go Chicago. I would definitely want the chargers job. I would want the commander's job Yeah, even before the Carolina job, I think. You know, I agree with you that I think you almost have to take Caleb Williams one yeah. just because this year's draft kind of reminds me a lot of John Morant and Zion Williamson when they came out the same year. Zion Williamson was just, I mean, everything that came with him, right? Like, you you could not not take him one. Yeah. Like, he was just so big, right? Yeah. He was... I mean, people that didn't even watch college basketball knew about Zion Williamson. So, even though I was like... Chama Ramp might turn out to be better than Zion. Like, you have to take Zion one. It's kind of the same way with Caleb Williams and Drake May, where we've been hearing about Caleb for so long, and he has already been appointed as, like, the next great thing, that even if you think Drake's better, I think you have to go with Caleb one, because if he turns out to be what some people say he might be, yeah. like, you'll just, especially the Bears, right, yeah. who have already passed on Mahomes, who traded up for Trubisky, who already decided to stick with Fields last year when they were in the same position, I think you have to go quarterback. Like, they just, they have to do that. I'm surprised they're bringing back Eberflus, too. It was impressive the way the Bears looked the second half of the season. The right? defense, especially. If they played that way throughout the entire year, like they could have been a playoff team. Yeah. But like, I don't think they're ever going to win a Super Bowl under even yeah. Flues. Yeah. So I uh, I think they got to be in the head coach market. I think they got to get Caleb Williams. I love the uh, Jaw Zion comp. That's where I was going either that or the year um, when I was on the radio in Milwaukee and it was Jabari and Andrew Wiggins. And I was like, I like Embiid. I was like, man, I'd rather have the third pick. <laughs> yeah. And that ended up working out. I mean, but there was the issues with his back going into the draft. But with Chicago, see, here's the thing. Like, I love Justin Fields. If I'm an Atlanta fan, like, I want Justin Fields with all that speed. You don't know who the play caller is going to be. Oh, but I yeah. still think that Justin Fields could go elsewhere. My, my issue, though, like, if you're Chicago is Ryan Poles didn't draft Justin Fields. That was Ryan Pace. And then you go back to, like you said, I mean, you passed on Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson for Mitchell Trubisky. Um, that didn't work out. Yeah. So if you're Ryan Poles... Like, I like Justin Fields a lot, but he hasn't proven that he could win games. And it's not all on him. Like, go go back and watch the Green Bay game. He had no time. Um, although I do think some of those sacks are on Justin Fields. He hasn't had the best weapons. I do like the defense now for Chicago, and they still have a bunch of money to spend. They're going to have two top ten picks. But I just think that the safer way to go, if you're Ryan Poles, unless you want to be bagging groceries wherever, like, Ryan Pace is at right now, is you almost have to get your guy. You have to get your quarterback. And I would go Caleb Williams or Drake May, whichever guy you like and um, move on from Justin Fields. The question is, though, like, what do you get from Justin Fields? Like, if you're Atlanta, do you really want to give up a second or a third-round pick even for Justin Fields when you could just take maybe, like, you could get Jaden Daniels? I don't know how how he's going to go in this draft. I love Jaden Daniels, though. I know he's got to put on some weight, some muscle, but he's like a more accurate Lamar Jackson. I know. I like a lot of quarterbacks in this in this class. So why would, you know what I mean? Like, with Justin Fields, you don't have time to evaluate him. All you have is the Chicago tape. And you have to pay him too. Yeah, you could get a quarterback on the cheap. That's right. where that like that's where that comes into play. So I don't know if it's like yeah, yeah. Oh. But I, I think if you're Chicago, you have to get your quarterback. No, I completely agree with you. Uh, over to the NBA now. Where we were just talking about John Morant, Zion Williamson. John yeah. Morant uh, did tear his labrum in his shoulder yesterday, Ryan, which is unfortunate. He's going to be out for the season, which just sucks because when he came back, Memphis was playing awesome. Like. Yeah. 
They they were getting themselves in position to maybe make the play-in tournament. They're four and a half games back of the Lakers for that final spot. We know they were terrible the first 25 games of the season when Ja was out. He comes back. They're playing great. Well, now he's he's done again. So, I mean, we just pretty much stick a fork in Memphis at this point, right? Yeah. Do they Are they like sellers at the deadline? Like, do they look to move anybody in your eyes? I know they traded for Marcus Smart this offseason. Bain's really good. Jaron Jackson Jr. Like, they have some pieces. Do you think they keep it together and say, you know what? We just, it was a tough season. Morant got suspended. He got hurt. It is what it is. We'll regroup next year. Do you think they look to move some guys? I think they should. I mean, like, if they can move anybody, but who do you move? That's the problem. Like, I really liked Memphis two years ago. They look like that up-and-coming team. I mean, they could have had the one seed in the West. We all love Ja. The Steven Adams injury coming into this season was huge. Mm-hmm. You know, you really needed Steven Adams and uh, Brandon Clark as well, who you lost late last season. So you lose two bigs before the season even begins. And the other issue I have with Memphis, like they need a wing. They need in the I, I feel like in the NBA, and this goes back to like me being a Bulls fan the year that Derrick Rose was the youngest MVP and Tibbs took over. Like, it was a great year, and the playoffs were fun until you got to the Eastern Conference Finals, and then it was the fourth quarter of these games, and LeBron James, the wing defender, you know, at 6'9", was like, all right, I'm just going to shut down your best player, which was Derrick Rose, and then you got, like, Luol Deng and Keith Bogans and Carlos Boozer trying to win you games. So the issue with Memphis for me is I like Ja. I just don't know that he'll ever be, like, the best player on a championship team because he's small and he struggles to stay healthy. And then, like, who else is there? I like Jaron Jackson, but he's always in foul trouble. Steven Adams is out for the year. I like Desmond Bain, but I don't think he's ever going to be, like, a 26, 27-point-per-game guy on a good team. Yeah. So, like, if you could move some things around to get somebody, but I don't think there's anybody out there. And and then what do you do? Like, do you tank this season? You're 13-23, and and this isn't a great, like, loaded draft. I don't think that there's – I mean, you're definitely not getting a Wemby. I don't think you're going to get, like, a Brandon Miller-type player, maybe a Brandon Miller-type player. So I think they're kind of in basketball hell right now, almost. Yeah, they they kind of especially in the West. Like, look at all these up and coming teams. OKC's not going anywhere anytime soon. Minnesota. If the Pelicans, like, if Zion ever stayed motivated, I think (laughs) that they could be a scary team. I know Minnesota's got something going. Sacramento, um, you know, Houston's got some pieces. So we'll see. It's uh, it's interesting. It's unfortunate. What about Tyrese Halliburton? He also got hurt in the game last night against the Celtics. They're calling it a hamstring strain. He's going to be reevaluated in two weeks. So what's crazy about the Eastern Conference right now, Ryan, there are five teams who are 21 and 15 right now. Yeah. So from four to eight in the standings, you have the Heat, Magic, Pacers, Cavs, and Knicks all with the same record. And, I mean, who knows how long you're going to be without your best player in Halliburton. Um, if you're betting the Pacers, like, would you look at a price for them to miss the postseason? You know, is that something that might interest you? Because they stink on defense. Yeah. And the reason they win games is because of their offense. And now they're losing their best player, who means so much to them on that side of the floor. I don't know if I would do that right now just because it's only, you know, they're going to reevaluate him, obviously. But if he's able to come back, I, I think that they might be able to make do in the East. You know, and just kind of like stay around like 500, a couple games below 500 and still sneak into the playoffs. Cause I don't love the East. Like, I texted this to Rick actually, and I know Rick Camp's gonna join us later on in the show. Yeah. He's like, hey, what do you think you wanna talk about? And I was like, the East, cause I've kind of talked myself into Philadelphia. Cause the Bucs don't play any defense. They got blown out last night by the Jazz. Everybody's like overreacting to that. I think they'll probably be fine in the playoffs, but mm. I don't fully trust them. I've done it with Boston the last two years. I'm not gonna do it a third straight season. And I love Embiid. Um, I love Tyrese Maxey. You know, Tobias is playing all right. I like the Nick Mer- uh, Nick Nurse coaching hire, obviously. But, like, with the Pacers, 
and the Knicks, those were the two teams I had circled as maybe like sneaky teams. I love the OG Ananobi pickup, obviously, for the Knicks. Yeah. But the Pacers, I can't do it just because they don't play a whole lot of defense. But I think they could still be a playoff team just because they have talent. Like maybe Benedict Matherin takes on a bigger role now. But I, losing Maxi, it's hard to take them serious. And they, and they should have been, like, that's a team you probably should have took serious. They're, what, 4-1 and one against the Bucks this season? Yeah. I'm going to miss betting the Halliburton assist props. His assist to turnover ratio is crazy. Every time you look at the box score, it's like 22 assists, no turnovers. You just don't see that anymore in today's NBA. So it's a big loss, but I still think they could get in. But, man, I, I thought that was a team that maybe was going to be able to win a playoff series. I don't know about that anymore now. I did, too, because Indiana, like you said, what I love about them is they play the top teams in the East tough, right? They beat yeah. Boston in that in-season tournament. You mentioned their rec- record against Milwaukee. I know it's the regular season, but they had no fear going up against those top teams. The Halliburton loss is a big blow. As Ryan mentioned, Rick Camp will join us later on in the show. He's coming up hour three. Kevin Sweeney will join us next hour to talk some college hoops. But we're going to get in the NFL Wild Card weekend. We're going to look at the Saturday games. Texans, Browns, Chiefs, and Dolphins. Hour two, you better you bet. Coming up next, we're going to be over on Stadium if you want to join us there as well. Ryan Horvath, PJ Glasser. We'll be right back with You Better You Bet, presented by BetMGM on the BetQL Network.